I mean, it's kind of cute, right? Hello, and welcome back to Kinda Cute, and if you're new here, welcome. My name's Bailey Event, I'm your host, and on Kinda Cute, we discuss articles from The Cut and my general pop culture musings. I hope you guys loved my episode with Shannon fluently forward last week. From what I've heard, you guys did, and if you found me through that episode, welcome. I hope you stick around. I'm sad to say that I'm usually just a solo host, and I don't have a dynamic guest like Shannon every week, but I still think you can find something you might like here. Um... I wanted to also give a hint about the influencer we spoke about uh, with John Mayer and I gave someone DM'd me about this and I gave this hint and she said she had no idea what it meant. But I think for the enterprising of you and who do a little bit of Googling, the initials RME might help you out. So that's my little hint I will give you to find out the TikToker that allegedly maybe hooked up with John Mayer. Uh, Last weekend, I went out on Palm Beach, which, you know, I'm a West Palm girl. I stay on the West Palm side, went out in Palm Beach and literally like as we were at the first bar, Meat Market, if you want, if you really want the play-by-play, we were at Meat Market. I was like, I really want to see a housewife, a real housewife tonight because I'm like, they're always around here. It's smack dab in the middle of season, aka when all the little Richie Riches come down to the island to escape the cold of New York City. And I just had a feeling like I could see a nice Roni housewife. So we go over to San Ambrose. We don't have a reservation or anything. We get seated down literally directly across from Bethany Frankel, the Bethany Frankel, like maybe one of the most iconic Real Housewives of all time. And I was staring, but honestly, she was staring at me too. And I think she liked my cute little fluffy bag. Do you have something to add, mom? No. (laughs) I'm here with my mom. I'm actually at a law conference, which is very boring. And I don't think I've ever, no, I have recorded in a hotel room before, but I'm recording in a hotel room. And I asked my mom if she wanted to be on and talk about celebrities. And she was like, no I was like, okay um but then it seemed like she had something to say about Bethany but apparently not so anyways I have my little dolphinette little furry bag and I honestly think she was admiring my bag because it is quite a showstopper um my grandma got me that for Christmas and isn't it gorgeous mom it is gorgeous <laughs> so I think she was admiring it so I didn't say anything to her she was with her daughter um the guy she's I think engaged to now um and then like an older lady who I didn't recognize, maybe his mom. But it was fascinating seeing her in the wild. And I definitely didn't want to bother her because A, she was at dinner and B, because she was with her daughter. Like that definitely felt like crossing a line. But the sighting alone was enough for me. And then I went over to Cucina, which is another real housewife haunt, if you're familiar with the area. I haven't been there in a very long time. Like, definitely pre-Panny was the last time I was there. And then we saw Harry Dubin. And I was, like, literally, I have such laser eyes when it comes to Bravo reality stars. I've probably seen more celebrities in the wild Actually, no, I think I'm pretty good at spotting celebrities in general. But when it comes to Bravo Lebs, I have a sixth sense. Like, I can, it's like I have spidey sense. I just sense they're in the area. I've seen so many at this point, way more than I've seen of any other celebrity. And maybe it's just because they don't lay as low like they want to be seen. But I'm telling you, I walked into Cucina and I was like, I think that short man over there is Harry Dubin. And it was Harry Dubin. And um, I asked him who his favorite. Real Housewife of New York bang was and he wouldn't tell me um and then he walked away <laughs> but my mom is like cringing at I said that but you know I was just I 
I have a certain journalistic integrity to uphold, and I know that's what the people want to hear. So that was my last weekend. That was thrilling. Like, literally, I've said it before. I'll say it a million times. Anytime I can have a little celebrity sighting, um, I'm going to go wild over it. It's going to make my weekend. And honestly, I sent it into Dumont and I said, you know what, girl? I don't want to be anonymous. Not anonymous, please, because I want people to listen to Kind of Cute podcasts. And I guess she didn't want to give Kind of Cute that sort of free publicity. So uh, she never posted my sighting. Instead, I got like three about Ramona sightings on Palm Beach from the same weekend. She was apparently all over the island, too. Didn't see her. And I don't feel bad about sharing this because I when I saw Bethany at dinner, I <laughs> messaged Elena and I was like, can you see if Bethany is on the island? And she immediately t- uh, messaged me back and she was like, oh, yes, she's here. Like she sent me the, you know, her story. So she was storing that she was at the Breakers, a really famous hotel on the island. So I don't feel that bad about blowing up her spot because she was not being low key about it, you know. Anyways, all right, moving on. I wanted to talk about some celebrity pairings and just some like little celebrity news before we get into the articles today. First off, Anna Kendrick and Bill Hader are dating. Now, and apparently they've been dating for about a year now and no one really knew about it. Like there were some rumblings, but they kept it pretty on the DL. And honestly, I don't know where I'm getting this from. Maybe I should look up some blinds about this. I get bad vibes from Anna Kendrick. Maybe that's completely unfair. I'm not just saying that because I'm jealous she's dating Bill Hader. I just like the vibes aren't there for me with her. And I'm a little sad because I actually thought him and Rachel Bilson were a really cute couple. Like for some reason, that made a lot of sense to me because in some ways he was kind of like a grown up Seth Cohen. Can you see it? Like just for a second. Can you see it? I see it. What? You see it, right? Like, I don't know. Like he's not as cute, but... I think we can all unanimously say that no one thought Bill Hader was cute until he was in that movie with Amy Schumer. And then everyone was like head over heels for him. I swear he was not bagging the Hollywood ladies until he was in that movie. And all of a sudden people were like, hmm, okay. So I don't know. How do you feel about that couple? Let me know. I need to look up some blinds on her because I really am curious. I also want to see the blinds on Bill Hader because I think he seems very nice. But I wonder if there's something lurking beyond the surface. You never know with these Hollywood men. Another couple I'm really loving. So... You guys know I will talk about Euphoria any chance I can get. And Dominic Fike is on this season. I actually spoke about Dominic Fike when I went to his concert. Oh my gosh, it was probably one of the last pan like pre-pandemic concerts I went to back in 2019. And I just I remember I posted on my Instagram and I had already been a fan of him for a while, but I posted saying that I just really think he's gonna be a big star because he has this star quality about him and not to toot my own horn, clearly that's the vibe of this episode. I'm saying that like I can spot a celebrity from a mile away, but I really think I'm pretty good at seeing if a celebrity has that star quality. Like I would love to be a casting director. If I could be anything other than a uh, full-time podcaster, I would love to be a casting director. I have no skills other than I just have this gut feeling that I think I could pick out star quality. And I've always thought Dominic Fike has that. And this role in Euphoria is his first actual acting role. And I think he's killing it. I've only seen him in two episodes. I think he's so believable. I think he's so adorable. I think he is um, believable as a high school student. Now, he is apparently dating Hunter Schaefer pretty seriously in real life. Hunter Schaefer plays Jules in Euphoria, who in the show dates uh, Zendaya's character. And... I've seen pictures of them that seem very like 
post paparazzi shots, like them leaving restaurants, holding hands. So I was starting to think a little bit, okay, are they a PR couple? And I'm so glad that we have this last episode to reference now, the one with Shannon, because I always kind of filter things through a, are they a PR couple filter? But I feel like now we can all be in that together, right? To understand what that means and the purposes for doing that. And when I first saw that Hunter and Dominic were together, I was definitely getting the vibe that they were trying to amp up, you know, Euphoria coming out, raise Dominic's star a little bit, get people talking about him since, you know, people outside of knowing him as the musician might not have known who he was. Even though he was very famous as being a musician, musician he dated Diana Sliv- Silvers or Slivers? You know her, right? Di- the girl? Yeah. I think it's Slivers. Um, They dated for a while pretty seriously. So I don't know. But from what I'm hearing, but again, these could all be planted things. But I did see some stuff that they're actually pretty serious. So I think they're cute. I love both of them as just like admiring them for their intense Gen Z style. Silvers. Silvers. Okay, I'm sorry. My mom just corrected me. It's not Slivers. It's Silvers. (laughs) Um, This other news that just came out that is big, big news Priyanka Chopra and Nick Jonas just had a baby via surrogate. This literally came out like an hour ago. And I think a lot of people are really shook by it because obviously she never announced she was having a child via surrogate. And because she had it via surrogate, she wasn't pregnant. And I think this makes a lot of sense because Priyanka is a little bit older and she probably just wanted to make sure it was, you know, didn't put her body through that, didn't put the baby through it. Even though I don't think there's anything against like having a... Uh, Mom, you can be my fact checker. How old is Priyanka now? I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but I do know it is like worrisome to have a baby. Sometimes you feel a little bit more nervous about it. No worries. You can we can come back to it. So they said like it was kind of a weird notes app announcement. It was on a black background. It just said, please like respect our privacy at this time. So I thought that was kind of odd because I was like, are they announcing this because it was going to get leaked? I almost felt like they were trying to get ahead of something because the announcement seemed a little bit rushed and like they weren't exactly planning on announcing it that way. That's my thought on that. It just happened like two hours ago, I think. Yeah, but there's now a lot on there. So is she... Uh, 30. She's 39. So, yeah, so I totally get why she would have chosen to have it via surrogate. Honestly, if I had the money, which I will – I mean, we're manifesting that we all will have the money. So maybe by the time I'm 39, I will be rolling in the buku bucks. I will have myself a little Nick Jonas, and I will get myself a surrogate because that seems ideal. You know, screw screw freezing my eggs. I guess I could freeze my eggs and still have it via surrogate, huh? That's the plan, Mom. That's what I'm manifesting, okay? Okay, in much lighter news – the green M&M, they did a little rebranding of all the little character M&Ms, and they got rid of her iconic white boots, and they put her in these frumpy-ass, ugly sneakers. I feel like they could have given her a nice, chunky New Balance, a little Balenciaga, a little Dunk Low. No, it's these frumpy-ass-looking white shoes that just look like all the other M&Ms, and I don't like it. And as, <laughs> as Rolling Stone wrote... The brown M&M's heels have been lowered to a more sensible Alexis Nyers-esque kitten heel, while the green M&M's signature go-go boots have been swapped out for nondescript white sneakers. I loved the Alexis Nyers shout out. You know, she is everything. She's from the Bling Ring. She has her own podcast. If you want to check that out, Recovering from Reality. And I I just loved that that comparison was made. And As the Rolling Stone article points out, there's been a lot of rebranding of corporate logos and, uh, you know, sports logos that needed to happen. It was 
they should have happened years ago. But as they point out, why are we slut shaming the green Eminem? You have been sexualizing this poor Eminem for years and years and years. And now you want to take away her most iconic feature. We could have brought her into a more feminist culture without removing the go-go boots. I hate this idea that just because you're wearing like a sexy shoe, you can't be a feminist. And that's what I'm getting from this. And I don't like it. And I just had to put it on the record that I don't support the removal of the green M&M's white boots. And I hope they bring them back. All right, (laughs) let's get into our first article of the day. That time, Martha Stewart refused to date a fictional cannibal by Olivia Truffaut Wong. So if you don't know, um, Martha dated Anthony Hopkins. And apparently she's been going around for years talking about how once the Silence of the Lambs came out, she just couldn't do it anymore. She just looked at him and all she saw was cannibal. And I just wanted to go through some of the quotes because they include one that she just recently made on The Ellen Show, which kind of brought this story back to light and back to people's brain space realizing that she dated anthony hopkins she says i have a big scary house in maine that's way by itself on 100 acres in the in the first and i couldn't even imagine taking anthony hopkins there i couldn't all i could think of was him eating you know (laughs) it just trails off and obviously like if you haven't seen silence of the lambs i just watched it for the first time within the past two years it is such a good movie jodie foster in it is so good mom have you seen that movie yeah, it's i love it i ugh, it's so i actually love like any sort of like fbi movie and it has elements of that and anthony hopkins in it and jodie foster they're like the best foils to each other and just play off each other so well and she was really young when she was in that movie it's terrifying and disturbing, but it's really- oh yeah i mean it's just i mean he's a cannibal <laughs> but it's interesting because throughout the movie not to spoil it too much but I think pretty much everyone's seen it at this point. Hannibal becomes sort of the anti-hero. He's not really the one, the focus of the true evil throughout the course of the movie. He's kind of helping Jody's character solve the mystery of um, Buffalo Bill. Is that his name? The other guy who's the killer. So in 2006 on Howard Stern, um, Martha Stewart said that she loved Anthony, but after a rewatch of The Silence of the Lambs, she just couldn't go through with a romantic getaway. She said, do you want someone eating your brain while you are sitting in your beautiful dining room in Maine? But also, like, Martha, I don't think he was going to eat your brain in real life. (laughs) Like, I think you were safe. Um, And as the cut points out, we get it, Martha, you have a house in Maine. I mean, if I had a house in Maine on 100 acres, I'd be shouting it off every second I could, too. And then during a 2014 appearance on the Meredith Vieira show, wow, rest in peace to that, she clarified that things between them hadn't been that serious, saying that they went out to dinner a couple times, but all I could think about was Hannibal Lecter. I mean, honestly, props to her. I would be bringing up this story all the time. It's such a great talking point. I also loved it that the other day, Martha had this really long Instagram caption when she ran into Pete Davidson at Nobu and she was just going on and on about it and like how nice he was. I'm forgetting because he was with someone else. I should have looked this up beforehand, but it was such a good Instagram caption. If you don't follow Martha on Instagram, I highly recommend it. She brings a lot of joy through her completely unhinged Instagrams. All right. Our next article, speaking of iconic roles. Daniel Radcliffe, We Are Ready for Your Music Career by Mia Mercado. So the other day, Deadline announced that 
Daniel Radcliffe, who played Harry Potter, obviously, he will play um, Weird Al in the upcoming biopic called Weird, the Al Yankovic story. And the guy who is writing this movie and directing it, and he co-wrote a movie with Weird Al, he says, when Weird Al first set me down against my will and told me his life story, I didn't believe any of it, but I knew that we had to make a movie about it. So now I'm intrigued because I'm like, I feel like there's a lot about Weird Al that I've just never made any sort of room in my brain to give him much thought. Also, I have to interrupt for a second. My mom reminded me that he was with Anthony. It was Anthony Pete Davidson and his talent director or talent talent agent ben levine so interesting you know little coupling there i love it and obviously we've talked on here before about the drama between anthony and martha's store where she was like mad that she didn't tag or he didn't tag her uh that's to to this day one of my favorite instagram stories of all time um so anyways back to daniel radcliffe he is very excited. He says he's thrilled that Daniel will be portraying him in the film, and he has no doubt whatsoever that this is a role future generations will remember him for. Clearly, he's being a little tongue-in-cheek there because I think, much to Daniel's chagrin, he will forever be known as Harry Potter as much as he might want to escape it. So I just wanted to update you guys on that because um, I didn't know that that was where Daniel Radcliffe's career was taking him at the moment, and I thought y'all might be interested too. So as obsessed as I am with Daniel Radcliffe and Martha Stewart, I am obsessed with Vera Wang even more after reading this article about her and learning about her favorite things. Vera's daughter actually went to college at the same time as me, and I'm devastated that I never had a Vera sighting while her daughter was there. So I'm going to walk you through. This is like one of those strategist articles that I talk about on here quite frequently. It's items that celebrities can't live without. So these are what Vera Wang can't live without. And this was told to Chloe Anello. So she starts off by saying that she bathes in baby oil, just like the Johnson & Johnson basic kind you can get from the store. And Vera Wang looks literally incredible. I'm sure a lot of it has to do with jeans, but she's 72 years old. I bet you didn't know that. If you've seen a recent picture of Vera Wang, I doubt you would guess that she's 72 years old. So there might be something to the bathing in uh, baby oil, you know, and it does feel pretty nice. Like I can't say I've ever squirted it in a bath, but like when you just feel it in your hands, it feels nice. And then she uses a shitty Amazon pet carrier just like me. I literally think it's the same kind I have from Amazon. And if it is, it's super shitty. And she also has a Pomeranian. So, you know, like instantly when someone else has a Pomeranian, they are a kindred spirit to me. And this is what she has to say about the carrier. It's not my favorite thing. I think it's kind of ugly, but Lola, that's her Pomeranian, loves it. I got my daughter's dog a Louis Vuitton carrier. And when I've tried to get Lola something else, she still wants this nylon thing. I just want her to be happy. So if that's what she wants, whatever. We love a loyal dog mom who just puts their dog needs above the need to carry around a Louis Vuitton carrier. Which, actually, I saw one in store today, and it is very cute. I mean... I, I totally get why she got her daughter one. Oh, I'm also just realizing the daughter she's talking about is probably the one that I went to school with. Um, I also learned that she buys every pair of Prada socks that they make. And the ones that were linked in this article cost $480. And they looked like basic ass black socks to me. But who knows? Apparently, she says they are worth it. She says, hosiery is one of the most eye-catching creative things you can wear. Slip something on and it changes the whole look. And she is convincing me that Prada is literally the only way you can go if you need upscale hosiery 
in case anyone's on the lookout, I'm I'm here to tell you that Vera approves. I'm over here using my Harry Potter socks that came out of the Target advent calendar. Uh, it's like $15 for... No, it's $12 for a pack of 15 A steal, honestly. Um, and then we get to my favorite part of the list where she describes her eating and drinking habits. And it might come as a surprise, but apparently Vera's number one pick is McDonald's. She says, I eat a lot of McDonald's. You can ask my team. I get a single or double patty hamburger with pickles and ketchup and fries. The fries are the best. When I'm splurging, I'll add the Oreo McFlurry too. Also, the chicken's McNuggets is a nice meal to have. They come in a pack of four and I'm never hungry afterwards. Okay, that's a lie. Like if you're putting down a double patty hamburger with a side of fries and an Oreo McFlurry, the four-piece chicken McNuggets is not going to cut it. Like, I haven't eaten meat in a while, but I still remember that those were not that filling. Um, she also gets a full a fountain Coke, not a diet. And uh, it says it depends on the time of year for how often she'll get McDonald's. She says, the last time we were shooting for days, I basically had McDonald's at lunch every day because we were so busy I couldn't be bothered to look at menus. And before a show or the Oscars addressing Nathan Chen for the Olympic trials this past weekend, food just wasn't a focus. I know people say it's all bad for you, but I don't think it is. It's not much worse than a lot of other stuff out there. And I balance it by having a really good dinner. I've always enjoyed McDonald's. When my kids were growing up, I would bring them Happy Meals, and the other kids wanted to stay with me because they could have McDonald's, which they never got. A lot of mothers would be furious. Um, coming from a mother who, like, raised me on uh, fast food, it's true. Like, mom taught me all of the good fast food. Her favorite was the chicken pot pie from KFC. That is bomb. She taught me about fish fillets, which you guys can hate on, but, like, a fish fillet hits. She taught me about spicy chicken sandwich from Wendy's. Now my mom doesn't like won't touch fast food with a 10 foot pole. But I'm telling you back in the day, she taught me about the good fast foods. Oh, like the Sonic. We get like the chili dogs, crystals. I ate it all. Yeah, they were delicious. Arby's like we would eat crap, like literal crap that other people <laughs> eat. So I I like that Vera is like willing to get her kids a happy meal like why not it's really not going to kill you to have mcdonald's every once in a while um and oreo, oreo mcflurry is the best type of mcflurry like if you're getting m&ms you're wrong like that's not the best type it's good i wouldn't turn it down if it was given to me but it's not my go-to pick um and if you thought that was all you were getting just her mcdonald's fantasy she follows that up with her love for dunkin donuts and i'm a dudos girl through and through give me dudos or give me death because Starbucks just tastes burnt to me. I got Starbucks this morning at the hotel we're staying at, and it was literally like I had to choke it down. It's so bad. That's how every time I get Starbucks, it's always because it's a last resort. It's not what I actually wanted. It's just what's there. I will always pick Dunkin' Donuts over Starbucks. And the best part of this, though, is that Vera isn't even talking about the coffee at Dudo's. She just wants the donuts. She says, I like Dunkin' best of all the other donut chains because it has more cake. I love all the crazy flavors, the powdered sugar with cream instead of jelly inside, coconut anything, the crazy terrible chemical pink frosted one with sprinkles, chocolate cream filled, classic honey glaze, vanilla frosted with sprinkles. I buy the six packs with a variety of flavors. When I was eight years old and a skater, I could put away 12 easily, but I'm 72 now, so I only buy six. I don't eat all of them at once. I want to be very clear. I cut them in half so I can taste them all. I only do this twice a month. <laughs> I love that she thinks twice a month is like very restrained to like have six donuts. I mean, this is just making me love her more because 
I can also put away a donut. I try to limit myself. Also, before we had a show, my design director's husband would bring in donuts the day before while we worked, and it became a sort of ritual because we were all superstitious. I do think donuts are one of those things. It's, like, really hard to feel upset when you're eating a donut, and they feel very celebratory. I usually do feel ill afterwards, but there is nothing happier than a donut with sprinkles. And I stand by. I think Dunkin' Donuts frosted donuts are superior like the problem with a Krispy Kreme frosted donut is that it's frosted but it's also glazed and that's just too much like a classic glazed Krispy Kreme will always be out a classic glazed Dunkin Donut but their frosted will not I know that's exactly why you guys came to this podcast to hear my thoughts on donuts but you know that's what you're getting today so lastly, Vera hypes up her own brand of Prosecco, which I didn't even know she had. But, you know, these lists always have to include an ad. Basically, that's kind of why they do them. Um, and she says, I've been doing what I do for 33 years. I drink a fair amount. It's a very well-known fact about me. Although I'm beginning to think people might think I'm an alcoholic based on my Instagram. I never drank when I was young. After my second daughter, I started to have a cocktail a night. Raising two girls is challenging. There's a lot of drama. Now I'm 72 and I deserve it. I love champagne, but at weddings, all anyone drinks his Prosecco. It's the number one drink. That felt like a direct connection to my work. There's something so fresh and modern about Prosecco being used for weddings. It's a very happy drink, a happy alcohol. At weddings, people are trying to celebrate, but I'm offering them an option that won't break the bank if they want to have a good time. It's fancy enough where it can be celebratory, but not so fancy that you feel it has to be a special, special, special occasion in order to open a bottle. I love my Prosecco mixed with Aperol and a slice of orange. It's sort of like drinking a soda, and it's very colorful. It's beautiful. I agree with that. I don't think there's anything more pleasing in color than an Aperol spritz set against like a beach background, a blue sky, the sand, that orange with the blue takes my breath away. And I agree. Any sort of bubbly is just celebratory. I'm actually drinking a bubbly right now that I got from the hotel little convenience store. Um, I'm guessing it's Prosecco, even though I did spend $40 on it. You know, I thought I was kind of balling out buying the $40 bottle that they definitely upcharge. I'm sure it is like a $5 bottle in disguise, but oh, it's actually champagne. Look at me go. Okay. Okay. So I'm drinking champagne. Um, you know, I, I was going to get in today about talking about all the Britney Spears and Jamie Lynn Spears drama, but I almost don't know where to start with it because there's been so much back and forth um jamie lynn is doing a promotional tour for her book that came out which obviously the timing of it i'm sure is not landing well on britney's heart and that is very clear from the tweets she's been sending out the instagram posts jamie lynn did an interview with good morning america that didn't sit well with britney Britney rebutted that. Then Jamie Lynn went on the Call Her Daddy podcast. She did the first part with a two-part interview. Right before the second part of the interview was about to release, Britney Spears' attorney, um, who you actually might know his name by now, Matthew Rosengart, because he was really the one to finally get her out of the conservatorship. He wrote a cease and desist to Jamie Lynn Spears over her book. It's called Things I Should Have Said. And I wanted to speak about this because... I think it's a strangely written cease and desist letter. It's almost a little casual. It quotes Michelle Obama. Uh, It says Michelle Obama famously said, when they go low, we go high. And to Britney's great credit, that is exactly what Britney is 
going to do for the time being. It just strikes me a little odd for a cease and desist letter. And obviously he is a very talented and well-respected attorney and he knows better than little attorney me knows. But it's also odd to me because what they demand in the cease and desist is for her, Jamie Lynn, to cease and desist from referencing Britney derogatorily during her promotional campaign. And to me, when I read that, I'm like, okay, well, that doesn't stop Jamie Lynn from speaking about Britney, A. B, a cease and desist letter is really just a threat. It's It has no legal bearing. It's just to scare them off to say, you know, if you don't govern yourself accordingly, like, we can and will sue you. But the letter itself doesn't do much mom do you have a take on this like my mom is also a lawyer obviously while we're at this conference together what are your thoughts on them telling jamie lynn to just stop saying anything derogatory about britney in her press tour in a cease and desist letter well yeah i mean you're right it's just a threat yeah it's just a threat and and to me it's like derogatory is such a kind of vague term and it's like i don't know Right, right, but I almost feel like they they purposely didn't use the word defamatory. Like yeah, they, I agree. they used derogatory. So I'm just, and maybe that was just to be more all encompassing. Like you better not say anything about her. Like, but I just think it's weird, and I, I don't know what I'm getting at through this. I just thought it was an odd tactic for her attorney to use because I think ultimately it almost makes you sympathetic towards Jamie Lynn, and I don't think that's what they intended this letter to do. At least in my eyes, it kind of makes me feel like, you know what, Jamie Lynn lived this life too. And I'm not defending Jamie Lynn. I think I think that whole family is so sadly has had so many issues. And I think a lot of it came from um, Jamie and Brittany's parents. We've come to find out that Brittany's dad is an alcoholic. Apparently her mom was very often addicted to pain, kill, pain pills and dealing with the effects of that. And I think that all combined with the intense fame that Britney had, even Jamie Lynn having intense fame, being on Zoe 101, getting pregnant at age 16, they just have a lot that they've been through and a lot of trauma. And then everything with this conservatorship, I'm like, hasn't made things better. And I think all of that trauma is just something that they really need to work out together behind closed doors as a family, because I do think this is just pure opinion. I think at the end of the day, there is love there, especially between Brittany and Jamie Lynn. And it's just sad that it's coming to this. And one of the things I found fascinating is so after that letter came out, uh, Jamie Lynn shared text messages because the second part of the Call Her Daddy episode did come out, but I think it was severely cut down from what it was originally supposed to be. But she released alleged text messages because we can't really know it's a text message chain that says it was dated november 11th 2020 the name says my sister as who the text is to but as anyone knows text can be so manipulated there's apps where you can make fake um text messages so none of this has been verified that this was actually sent to britney but it makes sense that it was and in these text messages jamie lynn is basically saying that She's letting Brittany know that their mom has been in constant contact with Sam Ingram. And Jamie says, I found that strange since you and mom are not even speaking. I did not understand why mom would be involving herself or inserting her opinion to your lawyer, especially if you did not ask her to. And it's this long thread. And she's just going on and just saying, like, I I don't really trust Sam. I think he just loves the attention that is coming from the Free Brittany movement. 
she's letting Brittany know that their dad actually wants to resign from the conservatorship. And again, just to, you know, remind yourself when this is happening, this is November 2020. So this is before everything has come to a head. But when people are speaking out about free Brittany and he's saying she's saying that she spoke to dad and that he's willing to drop all the legal crap, the extra lawyers. It just goes on and on and on. And she says, I have nothing to gain or lose in this situation, no matter what happens with the conservatorship. But I'm sick of seeing this whole thing just keep going in circles. And she ends it with saying, I love you. I'm trying to be helpful. I'm here if you need anything. Love you. So it's just, to me, a tragedy from all ends because there's a lot of rumblings that Jamie Lynn doesn't treat wait staff nicely. There's videos of her like getting in a fight. Like I want to say like wielding a knife in the back of a restaurant There's a lot of stuff that doesn't look well, like doesn't paint her in the best light either. But again, I think there's a lot of trauma that these two are having to work through. And I, again, I even feel bad commenting on this stuff, but I just felt like I wanted to sort of give my opinion, especially on that odd cease and desist letter um, that was issued on January 17th. And again, the Call Her Daddy episode just came out, I believe on Wednesday. So, you know, January 19th around there. Um, yeah, so I think where there's still a lot to be said about where it goes between the two of them. I don't have a think about this a lot because I just used all of my time talking about that little drama, but I do have a legit shit, obviously, and that is the artist Angela Dean. You can find her at AngelaDean.com. You've probably seen her artwork because it's on the cover of Phoebe Bridger's albums. It's the little ghost. And what she does is she finds photographs or sources photographs and she paints a little ghost over them. And I think they're so adorable. I got a print for my sister for Christmas. She went to UF, which is where I went to law school. All my siblings went to college there. She lived in Gainesville for a while, which is where UF is. And I feel like she's really blown up and her prints go super fast and like especially her original prints like her original photographs but I think they're sold at a pretty reasonable price especially the prints she has sales a couple times a year so just check her out at AngelaDean.com I feel like I hadn't supported a small artist in a little bit so I wanted to give her a shout out on here thank you guys for listening again I'm sorry this is like a little bit of a shorter episode honestly I have to go get a free drink for our drink ticket with my mom so I'll see you next week bye